1: these ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
2: I, I'm a current, and I don't listen to our all more because that's fake news. The following
1: broadcast may contain free thinking and open minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right. Thank you for joining us, your apparent home for fake news. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, episode 284. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. Sitting across from me, that same lady, Brittany Page.
3: What a ringing endorsement. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Seriously, it gets harder and harder each and every episode Mm -hmm. to think of some way to introduce you.
3: Yeah, I bet.
1: But you're, you know, you... uh... Give me good uh, fodder for creativity.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Apparently.
1: Well, it's been a long time, a lot of episodes. That is true. So. What number is this? 284. 284. 284 of numbered episodes. We don't count bonus episodes. One of these days.
3: That's what you say. Well,
1: one of these days, what's going to happen is the listeners are just going to fucking do it for me. Yeah. Because I'm such a lazy turd.
3: Yeah, it's never going to happen. That's not going to happen. Yeah.
1: So, let me tell you what I do think might happen. Okay. Okay. I have, after what happened the other day at the cupcake shop, <sighs> I think that I am in a position to maybe get you to cover up murder. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Here's here's what happened for the audience's sake. No. So, Brittany is a lady who, who likes to, she likes free shit. Yes. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And whenever there's an opportunity to take a survey...
3: I will take it if I get something free,
1: or the chance at getting something free.
3: Um, uh, it needs to be a little bit better than a chance because oh, really? my time is precious. You,
1: the Travel Channel surveys you are taking constantly does not
3: need to be free. <laughs> I will take any survey anytime.
1: Right. <laughs> so, so Brittany took a a Susie's Susie Cakes, mm-hmm. which is apparently a chain of cupcake cupcakeeries. Yes, Cupcakeries. Uh uh-huh. It's a cakery, right? A bakery. I mean, whatever. And uh, she, got, she got two free cupcakes, so we went in there and walked out with far more than just two free cupcakes. Well, because
3: you can't do that. That's... Well, you can.
1: You just look like pretty stingy. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Here, I'm here for this and this alone. Give me my free cupcakes. Would you like anything
1: else? No. Shut your mouth and give me my two free <laughs> cupcakes. I took my survey, ma'am. So while she's doing her little shopping, I'm up at the counter and they've got this like candy bowl, like a fish bowl, mm-hmm. and it's filled with these little magnetic refrigerator sticker magnets Yeah, that look like a spatula.
3: A little plastic spatula with the logo on
1: it. But it's off to the side and she can't see it. So I come back from where I was standing and I have this thing in my hand. Yeah. It's a logoed little cute little spatula with a magnet on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's looking at it. She's, oh, look at that. And I stick it in my pocket. (laughs) Well, what Brittany didn't know is there was a sign on the little glass jar that said, take one. Free.
3: I did not know that. Good
1: times for you. Yeah. You just scored a shitty plastic <laughs> spatula
3: yeah. to and stick on your fridge. I'm sure you could tell by my facial reaction that I did not know yeah, she was... that it said that.
1: But I didn't say anything because now we're in front of the, 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 the cashier and I don't want to be like, oh, they're free. I'm taking as many as I can. Yeah. So we walk out and they say, oh, by the way, that was those are free. She goes, oh, okay. I wasn't gonna say anything. <laughs>
3: what do you mean? You're not well, you're gonna say. You're on your own, anything? okay? You're responsible for your own behavior, and I'm responsible you're, for my behavior. At that
1: point, you're an accessory. If I had been stealing and you were aware of it, you were complicit in a in a horrible crime but against I, our society. I
3: wasn't aware of it because I didn't know if it was free or not.
1: You were not sure. Also, well, it's two things here. It's two. Th- one <laughs> that I'm just coming to me is, who the hell do you think I am? I
3: don't know that I've
1: all of a sudden I'm like one of those elderly people who just starts being a klepto in late <laughs> life. Like that's the only excitement they can get.
3: I didn't understand what was happening. God, I damn. well, one, it's unusual for you to want that sort of object anyway. Well, so I think I was confused by that. We,
1: we're running out of. Things to stick papers under on the refrigerator.
3: Yes. It is a desperate situation.
1: Our refrigerator looks like a scene out of <laughs> out of uh, a, a Beautiful Mind with no, Russell Crowe. No, it does not. Where he's the schizophrenic and thought he was in a spy movie all the time.
3: Uh-huh. It, that, it does not look like that. Like. Just, we have like two clips that have papers on them and anyway, that's
1: Anyway, all right. Well, now we're going off the rails. So, So here's what I thought is if you... Uh, All I need to do is start slowly conditioning you to be okay with smaller crimes than larger crimes, and eventually I can get you just through sheer conditioning to, I just show up and say, we have to bury a body, and you'll just, okay, let's go do it.
3: No, no, no. (laughs) Being confused about you taking a little tiny plastic cake spatula and being an accessory to murder is very, very different. Very different things.
1: Look, it says in the Bible, Brittany, that sin <laughs> is sin. Okay. Sin is sin, guy. Hey, look, you. What you just did was you were okay with murder. Yeah. That's it. I cracked the case.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if there was a case to be cracked, but yeah. Anyway, that's uh, the exciting life. Exciting life. <laughs>
3: Well, the thoughts I have about Sofia Vergara are also a sin, so I don't... It's hard to, you know, equate all of these things. Are you
1: saying you want to murder Sophia Vergara? <laughs> no.
3: No, I'm not I saying I think
1: that. everybody has those thoughts about so- so- Sofia Vergara. She
3: is a lovely, lovely or Are you talking about woman. envy?
1: Because that's a sin.
3: Uh, We don't need to go into detail. <laughs> Just everyone can imagine whatever they would like to imagine.
1: All right. Let's 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 move on before this goes <laughs> way off the rails. Listen, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Again, episode 284. Let's start with some voice mails. Some male of the voice variety, if you will.
4: Hey, guys. It's uh, Mark, the mailman from On The Line, once again. Uh, I just wanted to call and clarify because... He did play my voicemail on the air, and then I realized that I wasn't clear enough. Um, So I obviously understand that presidents have their speeches written for them. I think the issue here with Donald Trump and his speech to the Joint Congress, or whatever they call it, was that people were, like Van Jones, for example, really praising him for quote, he... He became the president tonight, or whatever Van Jones said. Um, that I think is just absurd, because those thoughts weren't his. And of course, we can say the same thing about Obama. You know, a conservative would say, "Well, then you can't praise Obama for anything he said." Well, fine. But uh, it's it's like if I were to give a speech tomorrow, and I just read verbatim. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. I would hope people wouldn't give me credit for that because those weren't my ideas. So I think it's, it's about, uh, curation maybe. I don't, I don't think I, I don't, I assume Trump didn't sit there, read over the entire speech that was written for him and say, oh yeah, I like this part. This is, this is what I want to say to the American people or I don't like this part. He probably just said, yeah, oh, yeah, cool, let me practice reading it, and then I'm going to say exactly these things. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just frustrating. Anyway, hope that clarifies. You don't have to play this on the air. It's stupid, but I just felt kind of stupid because I don't think I was clear enough. And I probably wasn't, again, here because I feel like I'm under a lot of pressure <laughs> being uh, internationally heard. Bye, your fans. Anyways, love you guys. Bye. Well, let
1: me say, Mark, uh, you have nothing to... You don't You don't sound stupid. Um,
3: <laughs> Does Mark want to be our new best friend?
1: Well, look, I, I...
3: Because he seems like a cool guy. Look,
1: if you call in and you're earnestly making a point, if I make fun of you, I don't think I made fun of Mark. But if I do, it's out of a sense of of congeniality it's like a, a, a an affective an affection thing mm-hmm. like if i make fun of someone like a buddy yeah it's not because i really hate that guy it's because i love that guy and they want to so i i never like maliciously ever feel malicious toward our audience ever ever never uh-huh. sometimes dicks who call <laughs> we've had a few usually i don't play those but uh, every once in a while i'll give some airtime time to a, to a hater
3: so you're feeling guilty
1: No, I don't know. I just, uh, look, I don't think that we, I didn't think that you thought that he wrote his speech. No way. Donald Trump doesn't have, can you imagine, really, seriously, this is just between me and Mark now. Can you imagine, buddy, what it would sound like if Donald Trump wrote and delivered a speech?
3: Can I come back now? I guess it
1: doesn't work because Mark can't answer, but (laughs) seriously, that's a... What a nightmare that would be.
3: Well, we've seen him try to talk just in regular conversation. <laughs> right. And even that's difficult for Very him. Very
1: difficult for him to navigate. So. Extemporaneous thought and speech from Donald Trump. That's, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade stuff. Yeah. He knows a couple words that he feels like are big words. Tremendous. Tremendous. Uh Terrific. He uses terrific. <laughs> terrific a lot. is a big word. Well, to Donald Trump, it's a big word. Okay, but when has he ever gone into detail about aggregate numbers and statistical anomalies of of, of reporting of different uh, governmental you know, budgetary matters?
3: Never. Those were some good buzzwords, anyway, Jesse. Anyway, turd
1: sandwich. You know what I'm talking about. And Donald Trump is not that guy. He's not that guy. So clearly, I think everybody understands he doesn't. And clearly, also since clearly apparently is my big word of the day um most presidents don't have that big a hand in their speech i mean they do have the veto pen and they can say i want to emphasize this or that but they don't have the time you're the leader of the free world you don't have time to be writing speeches so thank you for the call we appreciate it very much if you too would like to sound off communicate with the show ask us a question make a point point. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Before we move on with the show, I want to talk about... Well, can we do this? Can we we talk about Samuel L. Jackson for a moment?
2: I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing.
1: (laughs) Well, in the spirit... Of what we were talking about the other day. About Facebook arguments. And maybe we even talked about this on the Patreon call. Which I assume we'll talk about during the mid world Talking about Patreon. About giving people space to come back into the fold who have been Trump voters. And admitting when you're wrong. That kind of a thing. This story came up. Apparently in in, in recent days. Samuel L. Jackson had a problem. And, and voiced his his... Uh, dissatisfaction with the casting in the movie Get Out, which is a horror movie, I guess, quote unquote. It's kind of a new fangled type of horror movie that deals with racism by Jordan Peele, the Key and Peele guy. And the, the black dude who was cast in the lead role is a Brit. He's from Britain. And that didn't sit well with Samuel L. Jackson.
3: Right. He said that instead of casting a British actor, he would like to see black American actors put into roles where they are illustrating what happens in America.
1: right. Well, they don't because they're not really in touch with the the African American experience relative to slavery and everything else. I think I talked about that about Obama saying that the dumb thing he said about immigration, where it relates to African Americans or, or slaves.
3: Yeah, so Samuel L Jackson said that a and said that a black American actor should have been cast in Get Out because apparently that movie deals with interracial dating. And I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen previews and so he is a black man dating a white woman and Samuel L Jackson argued that a black American actor would have known the struggle of interracial dating more than someone from Britain where interracial dating has, has been going on for a long time.
1: Right. It's been legal where it hasn't even been legal here for for all that long, 50 years or so.
3: Right. So he's he's making this argument that they would better understand the role. Black American actors yeah. would better understand the role. And he also made this argument for Selma um, and the actor who played Martin Luther King Jr.
1: David Oyelowo, I think, is his name. Right. Yeah. So So, so let me say this. I understand his and I think there's probably some validity to it in other aspects, but I think he's wrong here. I don't think he's being hateful. I just think he's being short-sighted.
3: So someone else thought you were correct in thinking he's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And her name is Gloria Taffa, and she wrote on Facebook, sorry, at Samuel L. Jackson, tagged him in her Facebook post. She's a black gal. Yes. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson needs to take a seat on this one. Being bitter and attacking black British actors who get cast as African Americans in Hollywood or the film industry isn't the way to go. Concentrate on the system, if you will. The whole premise diminishes yourself as an actor also, since actors are to bring a character to life and not always obligated to feel the very core of the person portrayed, but instead do it justice. It's also problematic to assume black British people do not quote unquote really feel interracial dating as they've been doing it for quote unquote hundreds of years and come to the conclusion that the casting decisions in Get Out and Selma movie really misses the point. Good casting is greater than casting, quote, some brothers in America who could have been in that movie who would have had a different idea about how King thinks. Again, it's all about execution of the character, and do not assume they do not feel the African American character. I agree with John Boyega's response in the whole debate being, quote, a stupid-ass conflict we don't have time for. Fight it up with the casting directors if you'd like, not every black British actor. And he actually commented.
1: Yeah, that's what was great about this, is somehow he saw this, Samuel L. Jackson. Well, she tagged him in it. Oh, she tagged him. And he, he, to me, I'll speak for myself, he answered unexpectedly. It was an unexpected response. What, let me rephrase. His response wasn't unexpected. It was what was contained in the response that was unexpected.
3: Right, so he said, taking a seat... Well said. And of course, that speaks to what she said in the beginning when she said he needs to take a seat on this
1: right. one. Right. So he, with a lot of humility, just kind of admitted, yeah, yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, you're right. I, That's, it's amazing to me. Yeah. What happened here was a miracle and I want you to fucking acknowledge it. All right. There it is.
4: <laughs>
3: All right. <laughs> there we go.
1: Oh, Brittany, I, let me, I'll give you a little inside baseball here. Britney hates what just happened more than anything else on the show. Maybe
3: that is not factual.
1: She hates contrived bullshit like that. She feels like it's being disingenuous to the audience. Like you guys don't know that what we just did was completely planned and shitty. It's like disrespectful or something for Britney. She feels this is. <laughs> I'm explaining how you feel. Just be quiet.
3: You've thought about it. <laughs> you've thought about it far more than I have. I'll tell you that. <laughs> You're a I... Smart
1: motherfucker. That's right.
3: I like that one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's all I have. Okay, for your benefit, I don't believe you, but we'll I, no, see. No, that is all I have. We'll see. It's all we'll, I have. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So anyway, kudos to to Samuel L. Jackson. I think that's awesome. I really do. I, I I'm 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 impressed because I- admitting when you're wrong, it's hard to retreat from that line.
3: I was actually thinking about this today, and it's very rare for me. In my to be wrong, no, in my I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> in my academic circles, to meet people who are comfortable just saying, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who has no problem saying it like, yeah. I don't know what you just said, I don't know what you're asking, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, Teach me, I don't understand. And when I ask people, hey, what do you think about this? Do you know how to do this? Oftentimes people just act like they know what they're doing yeah. rather than telling me, right. yeah, I don't have an answer. You might want to f- find someone who does.
1: I'm, I'm certainly not as bold as that. I, I, I'm uncomfortable doing that. But there is one in one way that I'm very much like that. And I should actually put it in practice in the rest of my life. And it's if I don't know a word that someone's using, I have zero fucking problem saying, what is that word?
3: what does that mean yeah
1: well i don't know what that word is that's awesome yeah let me know what that is because now i want to know yeah like well i was i was chatting with brian from liar city Mm -hmm. one day and he used the word Mm Mm-hmm. I e-n-n-u-i i I think it's spelled
3: Uh uh-huh oh i know what that means way or whatever it is Yeah, i use it all the time
1: and i I, i'm probably not even fucking saying it right anyway he used it i'm like Scrape, that was me uh, slamming on the brakes. Bernie. Oh, was it? Yeah, I was going to use a, a sound but you know. What happened here was a miracle, and I want you to fucking acknowledge it. I didn't, that's the that closest thing. That fits perfectly. Yeah, that's the closest thing I have to slamming it on the brakes.
3: If it <laughs> it's perfect. It's great. It kind
1: of did bring the show to a screeching halt. Yes, so. that's true. <laughs> but anyway, I asked him what it means. Yeah. And I do that all the time, especially with guys like Brian who have you know, the, the breadth and width of a, of a massive vocabulary that I don't really possess, so.
3: Yeah, so the moral of the story is, if you don't know something, it's okay to say you don't know.
1: And if you're wrong. And
3: if you're wrong, it's okay to admit that you were wrong about something and to correct it. And we need to stop acting like that's a problem. Even when people change their minds, it's kind of weird with politicians, right? When they, oh, you're flip-flopping, you're flip-flopping. That makes sense in a certain context, right? like something we're going to talk about in a couple minutes with Donald Trump and the wall. But if someone has, over a period of years, sure. changed their mind about something because they found new evidence and it changed or, or, their mind. Or if it
1: was explained to them in a way, I'm just thinking about myself, right. over the course of the last three years, right? Um, which, by the way, today is the three-year anniversary of the show. I just... Just realized that. Oh. But Anyway, anyway, yeah. Happy birthday, to Wes. Okay. <laughs> um, over the course of the last three years, there have been many, many topics that I have t- t- taken a completely different stance on. Uh, one of which is white privilege, mm-hmm. or privilege in general. Yeah. And I think it was because I didn't really fully understand what it meant. I, I took these these bomb throwers and these flame throwers on on uh, who were adopting the topic and thinking it was awesome. And they use it in the most, they use it as a battering ram to smash people over the head with. Mm-hmm. And that turned me off to the topic. Right. But it was due to conversations with guys like Ryan Bell, guys like Chris, Dr. Chris Hoff mm-hmm. from the Radical Therapist, people like that, that really had, they brought it to light to me. And I, it's now I'm on board. I get it. Right. And it's true. Right. Yeah. So I've changed my mind on that. Yeah. All so
3: right. that shouldn't be a criticism anymore, is what I'm saying. Changing your mind about sure. something.
1: Sure, sure, sure. All right. <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> oh, Support God.
5: for I Doubt It with Dolamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit Patreon.com/slash. I doubt it with Dolomore. Servan.
1: Servan. Thank you. Or Servan.
3: Yes, thank you for your amazing and beautiful contribution to another, the show.
1: Another member of the family yes. helping us move the conversation forward, partnering with us to do what we hope to be awesome things.
3: And just in time for the announcement for the next. Google Hangout, which will be Friday, April 14th and Saturday, April 15th. And I haven't sent an email out yet, but I will because we like to send out the month in advance email and then the one week before email just so everyone has plenty of time to prepare for the call. These last two calls were very successful.
1: We had a very good time.
3: Saturday was very full. We appreciate you guys joining the call, and we always have a lot of fun on those calls, and we're glad that you respond to them and like them.
1: We actually, Friday night, evening call for us, late evening if you're on the East Coast, well, 11 p.m., you know, what are we, grandpa and grandma, uh, I wore a robe. I wore a fancy little robe, and then on Saturday morning, we were in pajamas. So it's very casual. You don't have to put on your tuxedo. (laughs)
3: yep Um, I had pajamas and my hair was wet on Mm, Saturday yes I just got out of the shower
1: anyway good times (laughs) it's a good time we we, it's very casual you know topic span from shitty things like the weather to deep policy and you know angsty political topics yeah so we appreciate you guys we love you thank you so very much Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, last time on the show, we didn't get to it; we we, we kind of uh, teased it, a little teaser topic for this episode because we we was too packed last time. But Michael Flynn, I don't know why my voice cracked, but Michael Flynn has come out and admitted that he was a foreign agent. He actually just registered. As a foreign agent with the Justice Department for the months in the campaign that he was working on behalf of the the dictatorial, oppressive government of Turkey and Erdogan, their, their prime minister or president, whatever they got going on there.
3: So while he was sitting in on top secret meetings, yes. working with Donald Trump, he was actually working for another
1: that's right foreign government yeah while he was receiving top secret classified highly sensitive information relative to the national security of the united states of america he was working on behalf of another country making hundreds of thousands of dollars
0: former national security advisor michael flynn has now admitted that while working as a top campaign advisor the trump campaign He was also working as a foreign agent. Associated Press reported that just this week, Flynn filed paperwork with the Justice Department to retroactively register as a foreign agent for $530,000 worth of lobbying work that, quote, could be construed to have principally benefited the Republic of Turkey. You see, Flynn used to have a company called Flynn Intel Group, which was registered with Congress as a lobbying organization. And from August through November of last year, meaning during the campaign and even after the election, Flynn's consulting firm was hired by a Turkish businessman with ties to Turkey's President Erdogan. And according to the paperwork Flynn filed with the Justice Department, Part of his lobbying contract included pressuring U.S. officials to take action against a political opponent of Erdogan, Fethullah Gulen, a man who lives here in America. On election day, The Hill published an op-ed written by Flynn calling on the United States to extradite Gulen, writing, quote, We should not provide him a safe haven. Flynn's final payment of $145,000 from that contract came on November 14, 2016, six days after the election. Mind you, all of this was happening while Flynn was working as a top advisor for Donald Trump, and while that campaign was accusing Hillary Clinton of engaging in pay-for-play
6: with foreign governments. One of the main things that Hillary Clinton was hiding, she was hiding her pay-for-play scandals as Secretary of State. Hillary is the one who engaged in a corrupt pay-for-play scheme at the State Department. We've just learned she tried to get $12 million dollars from the king of morocco for an appearance one appearance.
1: more pay for play so more hyper hypocrisy out of the donald trump regime not a surprise again I, this is something i've been saying over the course of the last couple days maybe several episodes i don't know i don't always log everything i say <laughs> it's very extemporaneous here Brittany page mm-hmm. Uh, nothing really happens. Nothing that ever happens with Donald Trump, whether it be his tweets or his policies or the things that he says, ever really surprised me. I'm not like, oh my god, I'm shocked. I can't believe he said that. But uh, I'm always a little, a little surprised, maybe that 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 it's this is real life. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. in the x in the in the overall. Tome of things yeah. I'm, I'm a little freaked out mm-hmm. and it just compiles and compounds Um, this is a big deal and up now we know I'm going to kind of do this the backwards way now we know that the White House did know we know that the campaign did know about this but just a day or two ago on it was actually Friday when Sean Spicer was asked about this very thing This was his response.
6: Was the president aware that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn is acting as a foreign agent when he appointed him to be the National Security Advisor? Uh,
0: I don't believe that that was known. Um, I would refer you to uh, General Flynn and to the Department of Justice in terms of the filings that have been made.
6: Had
2: the president have known that, would he have
0: appointed him? I, I don't know, John. That's a hypothetical that I'm not prepared to ask.
1: That's a hypothetical I'm not prepared to ask. Well, let me tell you, Spicy. That is an important question to ask before you come out to that briefing where you know you're going to be asked that question. It would behoove you to ask the president of the United States with whom you have a an open door policy where you can just walk right in and ask a question. That's a question you're going to want to have the answer to before you go into a fucking briefing.
3: Well, it's also frustrating the way in which he answers questions. Even the first one, he said, I, I don't believe that to be the case. Well. Right. Is it or is it not the case? Get the answer. I don't want to hear what you believe. I don't want to hear you (laughs) preface it in some weird way. I want the answer to the question. What is the reality of the situation here? Yeah,
1: Spicer is not a spokesman for himself. He's a spokesman for the President of the United States. Right. We're not asking you, dickface, if you know. What did the President know? It's important. And when Mike Pence was asked this very same thing, he also obfuscated, and gave a, what I believe to be a lie, for an answer. Uh,
2: Let me say, hearing that story today was the first I heard of it, and um, I fully support the decision that President Trump made to ask for General Flynn's resignation. You're disappointed by the story. Uh, The first I heard of it, and uh, I think it is is an affirmation of uh, the President's decision to ask General Flynn to resign.
1: So what exactly is he talking about there? This is the first I'm hearing about this when this story was reported. Are you saying that you didn't know that he had filed and registered as a foreign agent until now? That's the part of the story that you weren't aware of or that he was a foreign agent either way? It's these kind of wiggle rooms if that's even a phrase, that are allowed <laughs> to take place that that give me great concern. Right. That was obviously Brett Baer from Fox News. Who usually does a relatively good job. Yeah. I think that there are some there are some editorial decisions that are made that aren't great. hmm He um, seems to
3: be a legitimate newsman.
1: He does seem to be a newsman. That's right. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the, the best, but you know, he's no Anderson Cooper. He's no JTAP.
3: No, but I think he tries yeah. over there on the Fox. He does
1: he, over there on the Fox.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, th- here, here, here's the deal. It, we have three options here. The campaign either didn't know because they didn't ask, didn't know because they did ask and he lied, or they knew and still appointed him anyway. Any way you shake this, this puts in question the integrity and the judgment calls that they use. What kind of judgment do they have when they're appointing a guy like this who not only was on the horn with the Russians during the campaign and lied about it, but also earning $530,000 over the course of a couple months, what was he doing that was so important that he was being paid over a half a million dollars?
3: Well, it does make you wonder about the the conversations that they were having because it wasn't as though Donald Trump and Michael Flynn never spent time together. Right, they were around each other a, a lot. lot. Oh yeah,
1: they they were on the on the trail where they were doing rallies in like t- two chairs up on a on a stage. And doing a little Q&A together.
3: Right. Well, traveling together. Right. Being behind the scenes together. Even aside from appearances in public, in front of people, behind the scenes, they were spending a lot of time together. And it's hard to believe that these things weren't talked about.
1: The other thing about this, and we're going to drop it because we got to move on here, is it's also now, it's kind of fully shifted to Donald Trump fired Mike Flynn, When, just a few weeks ago, it was Mike Flynn resigned. He resigned. He resigned. Well, which is it? Was he fired, or did he resign voluntarily?
3: Well, Donald Trump was also praising his character.
1: Right. right? He's a good man. Just the other day at his freak-out long press conference about how unfairly he's been treated by the media. Right. Which is it? Look, by all indication, this guy's a fucking traitor to our country. So... Maybe he's not being treated so unfairly, Donald Trump. All right, moving on. Next up, related to what we were just talking about, about being able to be wrong and changing your mind, Donald Trump, he is a guy who I think will, until he's removed from office, is going to be a guy who always wants his cake and eat it too. And during the campaign, Donald Trump was very mouthy about the unemployment rate. He he went as far as to say that he believed the unemployment rate was 42%.
6: I am going to be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. Remember that. Don't believe those phony numbers when you hear 4.9 and 5% unemployment. The numbers probably 28, 29 as high as 35. In fact, I even heard recently 42%
1: Come on. So Jake Tapper had Mick Mulvaney, who is now the new uh, White House budget director, on the show. And they were talking specifically about the unemployment rate because now the new jobs report came out for the first full month of Donald Trump's um, job on the job. And uh, they're 4.7 percent. And apparently now those are real numbers. Joining me now is the director of the White House Office of Management and Budget, former co- Congressman Mick Mulvaney. Director Mulvaney, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it.
6: Jake, good morning. Thanks very much for having me.
1: So did anything actually change at the Bureau of Labor Statistics in terms of methodology or who is running the business there?
6: Hey, what I think changed is you start to look at some of the underlying numbers. You look at the U6 number. We can talk I'm already boring your audience. There's things like U3, U6. Uh, and what you, what you should really look at is the number of jobs created. We have thought for a long time, I did, that the Obama administration was manipulating the numbers in terms of the number of people in the workforce to make the unemployment rate, that percentage rate, look smaller than it actually was. And we used to tell people back home, the only thing you should really look at number of jobs created. And as long as that number is above $250,000, the economy is doing extraordinarily well. And that was the number we hit last week.
7: But just to,
1: I don't want to spend the whole interview talking about this, but just to point on it, you're not the one that was was attacking the numbers as phony. Um, There's nothing that changed that made them real today.
6: The the BLS did not change the way they count, I don't think. But you could have a long conversation when you've got a a numerator and a denominator, how to arrive at a percentage. But again, I don't want to bore
1: people. This isn't a claim that you made, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. We are, though. He just said the bureau, the BLS didn't change the way they count, which means the Bureau of Labor Statistics they're not doing anything different now than they did then. So if the unemployment rate is 4.7% 4, 4. now and Donald Trump believes that 2 months ago it was
7: 42%, that's
1: not just a seismic shift in the unemployment rate. That would be a a metaphysical occurrence. Right. For nearing 50% of the United States being unemployed to all of a sudden fewer than 5%. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump is a fucking charlatan of the highest order if he thinks that the the people of the United States are going to buy into that bullshit.
3: Well, and how transparent is this? Because this is a, a pattern of behavior. Yes. Where he says, this is a lie, this is a conspiracy, this is not to be believed until... He wants you to believe it until it fits right. with his narrative, and then all of a sudden, no, whatever he believes, whatever yeah. he wants you to believe, is not a conspiracy. It's not a lie.
1: I was reading about the 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 incident where Sean Spicer went in, and he had a quote specifically from the president that he wanted to, to, to that he wanted read, and it was I don't remember the wording because I'm recalling it from memory, but it was that Sean Spicer went in, and Donald Trump told him. I want you to say this, that these are real and this is really good what's happening. So all of a sudden, even though the Bureau of Labor Statistics aren't doing anything different at all, now the numbers are real. But Obama, they are being real shifty, even though his representative, Mick Mulvaney, just said, no, they haven't changed how they're doing it at all. He's disgusting. Now, that gives me a perfect transition here. Another disgusting human being who is a Donald Trump surrogate during the campaign, is a guy named Steve King. We've talked about him in the past. He is an Iowa congressman in in leadership roles in the Congress, committee chairman of different committees. And he is a racist. This isn't crying wolf racism. Uh, Someone has a, a problematic approach to poverty or a problematic approach to the war on drugs or or you know, criminalization of things, or imprisonment. This is a guy who believes that the white race is superior to all others and has contributed more to the world than any other. He tweeted something this weekend that is just really, it's it's a little on the nose, even
7: for Steve King. Far-right Dutch politician Gerrit Wilders, he's a polarizing figure in the Netherlands, in Europe, and beyond, because of his outspoken criticism of Islam. Some call him a hero, some call him a bigot. Now in the U.S., one prominent conservative lawmaker is weighing in on his side. And the comments are being met with accusations of white nationalism. Steve King, a Republican member of the House of Representatives from Iowa, tweeted this. Builders understands that culture and demographics are our destiny. We can't restore our civilization with someone else's babies. King was responding to a tweet by a right-wing European account that, said Wilders has been right for over 10 years and claimed Islamists were shouting Allahu Akbar in Rotterdam. The reaction to King on Twitter, fast and furious and disgusted, several making the point that America was built on the concept of the melting pot of many different cultures and somebody else's babies. Evan McMillan, an independent candidate in the last year's presidential election, tweeted this. Republican Congressman Steve King promotes the un-American ideas of white nationalism. Will any Republican congressman Condemn his bigotry.
3: So he essentially tweeted hashtag white genocide.
7: That is exactly in right. In so many words. That's right.
3: And I get very frustrated because I can easily peg this language. I don't know if it's based on my personal history with my family or what, but when people talk like this, they try to almost do a double speaking type thing where they think that they can speak to the racists but also try to get away with what they're saying because they're not explicitly writing hashtag white
1: genocide. He's saying we can't, we cannot control our destiny with other people's babies. So he's with other colored people's baby babies. Right. But he's
3: trying to do that thing where he's not being specific enough to where he still feels like he can have enough wiggle room to tell people who criticize him. Well, no, you're just misunderstanding what I'm saying. Well, no, we're not.
1: Well, here he is. I'll play this clip again. This is from the Republican National Convention, also on MSNBC, where he said this when the conversation turned to the whiteness of the Republican Party and how the the, the white male dominance of the Republican Party might be over. This was the conversation.
0: This is the last time that old white people will command the Republican Party's uh, attention, its platform, its public face. Of course, I thought that was going to happen after 2012, and I was, thanks to the good work of Congressman I King, I was be severely around.
8: disappointed. I think he'll still be
0: around, though. <laughs> I think it will be around, but I'll tell you what. In that hall today, that hall is wired. That hall is wired by loud Unhappy, dissatisfied white people. <laughs> very white crowd. Yes, any, any sign of rebellion is going to get shouted down or, or shouted down either kindly or roughly. But
1: that's... All right. That is a commentator who's talking about what you just heard him talking about. I'm not going to repeat it. But here comes Steve King in response to that.
6: what's going to happen. This whole white people business, though, does get a little tired, Charlie. Through history and figure out where are these contributions that have been made by these other categories of people that you're talking about? If that what where did any other subgroup of people contribute more to civilization? Than white
4: people?
6: Than then Western civilization itself that's rooted in Western Europe, Eastern Europe, and the United States of America, and every place where the footprint of Christianity settled the world. Asia? That's all of Western civilization.
8: No, well, what
0: civilization let me know okay. for the record that if you're looking at the ledger of western civilizations yes. uh for every uh flourishing <laughs> democracy you have uh, you know you got hitler and stalin and, uh, as well so so well, there's there's the there's, back, a, there's back, a lot back, on both back, sides on
3: so again <laughs> a moment where he he slipped right yeah. and he was a little too specific and it was a little too hard to wiggle out of it and this is kind of what happens with people who are racist and are trying to walk that line of speaking in a vague enough way to where they can protect themselves and he keeps on failing and many of these people do and there's someone in particular that I know that um, I like to harass with hashtag white genocide because they shared one of these videos and it was about this same issue of
1: explain explain to the listeners because I think a lot of people don't they're not They're not mixed up in this. They have no idea. When they see white genocide, they think they take genocide on its face for its denotative definition that it means the the mass slaughter of innocent lives. That's not what racists view as white genocide.
3: No, it's the extinction of the white race through interracial relationships.
1: That's right. They believe that if I marry and have children with a black woman, that I am murdering the white race through my my mixed-race children.
3: It's about the white race, quote-unquote, dying out, becoming the minority. They
1: talk about birth rates, that white birth rates are very low, where African and and, and Latin birth rates are very high. And this is
3: highly tied to immigration as well. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
3: And so you'll see a lot of these videos, these propaganda videos, where they'll be talking about, quote-unquote, immigration, and then they'll start talking about birth rates a little bit. Right. And they start tying it all together. And they won't put a giant white genocide stamp on this, but that's what it is. That's what the argument is. That's what they're talking about.
1: Which is what Steve King's first tweet was talking about. Exactly. We can't control our destiny with other people's babies, which for me is worse than what he said here.
6: Where did any other subgroup of people contribute more to civilization than white people
1: than Western civilization itself? Well, I can tell you this. Dick face, Islam gave us algebra. The word al is part of Arabic. That's what algebra is. There are all the Chinese are you fucking kidding me? It, it, it is absurd for these these tr- little tiny genetically inferior trolls like Steve King <laughs> to make an assertion. Oh, that he is somehow superior to the black man or the brown man or someone in china because he's fucking white get over yourself goddamn all right let's let's kind of stick with this we're going we're, we're going to talk about the wall next well
3: i before you move on i actually have <laughs>
1: fired up britney page
3: i have some research type things to talk about that kind of fit right in with this oh. that I, I thought were fascinating.
1: Nice. Yeah.
3: And I think that Steve King would really, really love it if we talked about this. So, Well,
1: maybe he would benefit from it if he would actually listen and take a page out of our playbook to seek out different sources of information to learn, to better himself, to not be the the troll under the bridge... Who's eating children. He's 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 responsible for all the genocide in the world. Okay. He's just, not, but...
3: <laughs> I don't know what just happened there, but we're going to go ahead and talk about research. I hate
1: these fucking people. Yes. I, they make me very mad.
3: It is... Listen... Look, I, look it, I
1: wouldn't go as far as to think that he needs punched in the face like a Richard Spencer type. I don't believe he's a Nazi. He's for sure a white supremacist. This guy for sure believes in a white nationalistic identity for the United States. I don't necessarily think that he he that he rises to the level of a Richard Spencer, but he's goddamn close.
3: Yeah, so he's he's yeah not a good person
1: anyway. So l- l- let me calm down while you talk about the
3: okay. So That's I'm trying to talk to you in a very metered way. All right,
1: don't therapize me. Okay,
3: time to talk. <laughs> <laughs> this comes from the public research. I'm sorry, Public Religion Research Institute, Jesse's anger and interrupting me has me all confused. It's not Pew,
1: but I love the drop.
3: Yeah, it's not Pew. So Republicans are significantly more likely to say that whites rather than blacks experience a lot of discrimination in the United States today. (laughs) 43% versus 27% respectively.
1: I've really rattled you.
3: Yes, you have. Uh, Democrats and independents are far more likely to say blacks experience a lot of discrimination than to say the same about whites. Uh, shocking, shocking.
1: <sighs> God damn.
3: Forty three percent Republicans say that that whites experience
1: listen uh, a
3: lot of discrimination. I, I,
1: let me let me. This is anecdotal, but I can tell the audience, Brittany, and you you're with me a lot, so you see that when I walk around in. Orange County, California, <laughs> six foot three, white as the day is long, ginger. I'm a white guy, everybody. I don't know if you noticed. But I uh, I feel very discriminated against in America because of my color.
3: I mean, you are just constantly harassed.
1: People like Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Philando Castile, those guys... They got it good
4: mm-hmm.
1: it's guys like me who the prejudice is just poured on my head like hot coals yes God damn who are these fucking idiots not a shocker it's the Republican Party this is the party of my childhood this is the party of Ronald Reagan that has look you might not agree with what the Republican what the Republican Party used to be but what it used to be is not what it is today this is a different. Uh, iteration this is the steve bannon republican party
3: i also want to talk about a part of this research that compares the um, christian and muslim discrimination as well so white evangelicals (laughs) perceive more discrimination against christians than muslims
0: right and
3: particularly for white evangelical protestants they actually say that there's more discrimination against their group, white evangelicals, than Muslims, fifty-seven percent say that.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, I am sure. Yeah, because you know all the all the f- the federal holidays that are Muslim, because you get days off for work for the different Muslim holidays, Brittany.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh wait, no, oh no, that's Christianity. That's right, that's Christmas and Easter yeah I, I'm sorry I was mixed up
3: well something that's interesting is the unaffiliated so uh, in the group that is unaffiliated 77% said that there is a lot of discrimination against Muslims and 23% said there's a lot of discriminations against Christian Christians people that's kind of confusing to me yeah, but yeah. I, I guess 77% is better than the 44% of white evangelical Protestants that believe there's a lot of discrimination against
1: Muslims that's very weird mm-hmm. people are weird well, in I'm what just... way are they discriminated? Oh, we're discriminated against because we can't disallow gays to be married. Mm-hmm. I'm being dim- discriminated against because when they come into my business, I have to serve them. That's... Right. That's I think that's where they're going with this. That's the train of thought.
3: Well, and I saw this interesting clip. It was this video that was describing some sort of special that he was getting ready to run. And it talked a lot about these these issues, particularly what it means to make America great again. Underlining that word again.
1: We should get that audio because that was a great piece.
3: And talking about people that really attach themselves to that phrase, make America great again, and what it means to them. And it really is about feeling as though they're losing their position in society. Sure. And I think in the video, it said that in 2008, that's when there was kind of this population shift and white evangelical Christians were no longer the majority. Yeah. They they became the minority. Sure. And in that video, they said, even though many of these people may not know that statistic or know that date when that occurred, they feel it and they feel threatened- and they feel scared because they don't understand what's happening to them when they've been on top for so long.
1: Well, that's it. I think that it's 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 similar to the thought that when you've been the the power for so long, equality, When when you're on top, when you're white and you're dominant, and then all of a sudden things start equaling out, equality to you doesn't seem like equality. It seems like oppression. Right. And that's what's happening with these old you know when they when they when they when they interview these people at a Trump rally we're not winning anymore we need we need to make america great again like well, bring it back to the 1950s when blacks couldn't marry whites and it was illegal to do so
3: there was even a woman who said you know you used to have to push one for spanish and now you have to push one for english and that's just not the way it should be. <laughs> and I thought, right? why does it matter? Like, learn Spanish. Right. Everyone should know Spanish. I wish I knew Spanish. Yes. It's a good <laughs> skill to have. And it's, they act like it's some sort of threat.
1: To them personally. Yeah.
3: And yeah. I, I, I guess I'm confused by that view. I don't understand how it's threatening. But maybe I should watch the Dan Rather show to find out. <laughs> right.
1: Right, right. Well, we'll transition out of this right into the wall talk. So, listen, we, we know from the, the many months, the year and a half or so, that we've been intimately involved with Donald Trump and his, his hate and his fear-mongering that he wants to build a wall on our southern border. And I think we all know who is going to pay for that wall, according to Donald Trump. I will build a great,
6: great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. Mark my words. Congratulations, Mexico. You're paying for the wall, just so you understand. And who is going to pay for the wall? 100%. 100%. 100%. They may not know it yet, but they're paying for the wall. We will build a wall, and yes, Mexico will pay for the wall. 100%.
1: Well, now, apparently that's not the case. Shocker. This is one of the cases Britney was referring to earlier. This is a flip-flop. This is not just changing one's opinion about white privilege and white fragility. This This is a lie that was told for a year on the campaign trail. Multiple times at every single rally where he's getting the crowd whipped up into a frenzy about how he's going to build a wall and the more the mexican government bitches about it the higher the wall is going to get and they're going to pay for this well apparently that is not the case because the new budget that's being released is indicating that they're cutting funding from the tsa from fema and from the coast guard to pay for his goddamn wall this is is a news report. I like to go outside of the CNN and the MSNBC and the ABC and the NBC to get, this is gonna be the most friendly coverage of this particular topic, because this is of course from Fox News, and they're not gonna, they're not gonna really do a hit piece, if you will, a, a hatchet job on Donald Trump. They're gonna be as friendly as possible to this position. So keep that in mind when listening to this, This is from Fox News.
8: Welcome back. President Trump trying to make good on his campaign promise to build a wall along the U.S. border with Mexico. But a new report this morning says that the White House may have to make cuts elsewhere, including airport security, the Coast Guard, all to pay for that wall. Joining me right now is former TSA chief, Admiral James Loy. He's also a a former deputy secretary of Homeland Security. Sir, it's good to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Morning morning, Maria, nice to be with you. Talk
8: to us about the challenges uh, that that you and some of your colleagues have faced at the border. Uh, In in terms of the budget that we are expecting this week and the expected cuts to things like TSA, can you characterize the situation at hand right now in terms of challenges?
2: Well, I think it's a very real challenge and part of it is just lining up the budget activity against the uh, policy rhetoric of the administration. Uh, I think we all are absolutely uh, uh, delighted that the president is going to upgrade the strength of our national security envelope, but there needs to be a recognition that the national security envelope in the wake of 9-11 does include uh, the Coast Guard and agencies within DHS. It's not just the four DOD services. By law, the Coast Guard is the fifth armed service of the United States, uh, and the uh, idea of cutting agencies that are contributing. Uh, to border security at the same time you're trying to strengthen border security uh, needs to be just uh, dealt with a little more constructively and I think the budget passback process is uh, one of the tools to use to make that happen.
8: So so there's a draft proposal from the uh, Office of uh, Management and Budget uh, which says that the Coast Guard's budget would be paired by $1.3 billion. Spending on the Transportation Security Administration, TSA, and FEMA would get sliced by $900 million. Now, candidate Trump, of course, promised to build this southern wall, and you have to have a way to pay for that.
1: So last, last, last time on the show, we were going to talk about how, how Mitch McConnell, when questioned about this, flatly said that he did not believe that Mexico was going to pay for the wall. Here's that clip, and then we'll talk about this.
7: There are some places along the border where that's probably not the best uh, way to secure the border. But I'm a, I think General Kelly knows what he's doing. I think the president picked an outstanding person to be in charge of homeland security and my suspicion is that we will take his advice. Do you believe that Mexico will pay for it? Oh uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh no.
8: Definitive answer. Interesting.
7: So
1: Congress, Mitch McConnell will have to appropriate that money. All right. Well, and that is exactly what they're having to do now.
3: I love how everyone's laughing about it. Like, no.
1: <laughs> right. It's not funny. He fucking lied to 360 million Americans. For over a year.
3: He repeated the lie. How right. many times? How many times Hun- did he say it?
1: Hundreds of times.
3: And he was saying Listen, it just a month ago.
1: Democrats whine and complain all the time about how Obama said, if you like your doctor, you can keep it. If you like your plan, you can keep it. They they, they lost their goddamn minds over that, which eh, I think that's justifiable. I think it was a it was a, a terrible miscalculation on Obama's part relative to Obamacare. But, you know, it's criticizable, if you know what I mean. This this is not a miscalculation. This is an out and out fucking lie. And and it's at our peril, this lie. You can disagree with the wall. I do disagree with the wall. I think it's unnecessary. I think it's inhumane. I think it's shitty. But now they're gonna gut spending for the Coast Guard. They're going to take out the legs of the TSA to the tune of $1 billion, $900 million. And FEMA. So the next tragedy, climactic t- tragedy that happens, whether it be a hurricane or whatever, FEMA's going to have a, a, a billion dollars less in their budget. That's what's getting said here. Right. To And by the way, even if this is true that's only that's not even 3 billion dollars they're estimating this wall is going to cost 12 to 21 billion dollars 21,000 million dollars to build a wall that nobody fucking needs because Donald Trump is xenophobic and fucking racist and being prodded on by his KKK sympathizing Advisor, Steve Bannon, and his lapdog, Stephen Miller. That's what's happening here. It's a bummer. And our Congress is feckless and weak, spineless, and they're going along with it. They're letting him gut important purviews of government. And I think more problematic is, unless the Democrats intervene here, and I don't know how they're going to do it, they're going to have to really not be so resistant to reaching across the aisle. They're going to have to do something to sway two or three senators on the Republican side to make this work, because Donald Trump has a stranglehold Right now, with his majority in both the House and the Senate, I mean, as far as control is concerned, he his majorities aren't large. But the fact that he has a majority means that whatever bill they sign, if they can get everybody in lockstep, he can get it done. He just signs it and it's done. So they need to push back with every bit of political clout that they have, expend every bit of political capital, because this is... It's not good, not just on the wall side of things, but also on the budget side of things when they start gutting very important departments.
3: Well, and hopefully the realization of how serious this is and how (laughs) unfortunate it is that Donald Trump is in this position, that he got elected. Yes. Hopefully this is a wake-up call to those individuals who kind of took the position that things needed to crash down before we started paying attention. Or, you know didn't take it as seriously. The people who said, yeah, I'm not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I realize that Donald Trump might win, but eh, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to uh, vote for her to prevent that from happening. Maybe this is going to cause everybody to reevaluate how they approached the election in 2016. And I think that's a good thing. And maybe even motivate them to start getting involved, right? With this whole indivisible thing. And, Stepping up to try to get people to have town halls getting involved, period, sure. right more than just complaining and being afraid.
1: Well, I, I also think that this could be a stimulus. This could be a crack in the dam, in the Donald Trump dam, so to speak, that Democrats who are elected officials and also left-leaning and democratic organizations, they need to use this as a messaging as as a as a club to beat, the messaging of um geared toward Donald Trump voters there's strategic ways to do this where we're by, we're paying for this wall we are paying for this wall donald trump lied donald trump lied donald trump lied look his diehard supporters they're not coming around they're they're entrenched no matter what he does they're going to twist it any way to justify it but there are millions of americans out there who are reasonable people who will be very disappointed and this may be his largest lie of all.
3: Also, millions of people who didn't vote.
1: Yeah, sure. Who
3: you could still reach. Yes. Right? Who you could say, listen, this is important. Are you watching? Are you going to vote? Start participating in the process? Right?
1: Yeah. It is sad.
3: <laughs> You're the puppet.
1: <laughs> what a bummer.
3: Taking care of biz. Kelly Heron. Yes. Kelly Heron. She is taking care of biz. She's a boss. Yeah, we had several people that were in the running for taking care of biz for this episode, but <laughs> she was taking care of the most biz, so she was selected. And she encountered, I think, what might be s- most women's biggest fear, And she fought through it and survived.
5: Kelly Heron was four miles into a 10-mile run in his popular Seattle park when she stopped to use a public restroom. As I was drying my hands, um, I became aware that something was wrong. That's when police say this man, Gary Steiner, a 40-year-old known sex offender, assaulted her. And it was a a fight on the bathroom floor. All I could think was not today, today. expletive. And you're screaming. I was screaming. Take a look at these red lines, her body-worn GPS showing her frantic attempts to get away from Steiner. I was able to pull myself out through the front of the stall because that and that door was jammed. Yeah. So he kind of went underneath it. I started to feel like I was going to lose consciousness, but I got another surge of adrenaline and I reached for the door and I was able to get out. Heron says self-defense lessons saved her. She fought back with tactics she had just learned three weeks earlier. I learned put hard bones in soft, fleshy places. So I just started beating the side of his head with the side of my hand. Jordan Gerritano of Fighting Chance Seattle says he's been teaching for more than 20 years.
6: This is one of the most surreal things I've ever kind of seen. In the five, four years
4: I've been running this workshop, it's very inspiring and overwhelming and humbling.
5: One survey suggests 43 percent of women experience some sort of harassment while running, and self-defense can give women the power they need if harassment turns into something worse.
4: Be loud and fight like a savage. And she did that? Yes, she did.
5: Heron now says she feels empowered, writing on Instagram, my face is stitched, my body is bruised, but my spirit is intact. So this guy is terrifying,
3: and seriously, um, not just his eye that's terrifying; it's a joke. And one um, of his
1: eyes just—it just fucking gave up. Yeah, it just does not care anymore. Yeah, I think his eye is trying to escape his own body. <laughs> yeah, it's like a—he's traitor. He's like Benedict Arnold, just fucking—he's doing his own thing.
3: Yeah. So there's <laughs> there's several things that I want to talk about with this story, and one is that she's just awesome and inspiring and is everything that I think all women want to be when they imagine themselves in this situation and being attacked in the bathroom is a pretty vulnerable place. Yeah, sure. Um, You know, she had her back to him. She was drying her hands and then all of a sudden, you know, she's on the ground and this guy's on top of her and she had just run four miles. I'd be dead, quite frankly. Right, um, right. So that's amazing. But it's disturbing to me that this guy has several sexual assault charges. Yeah. And he's still allowed to exist in society. He's out there. Why? You have raped several people. Why are you still walking around free?
1: Yeah. Able to inflict your harm and diseased being onto humanity
3: how many people does he have to rape right before we decide hey maybe he shouldn't be walking around with access to people to rape I mean I mean, honestly this is very disturbing secondly I want more positively as well <laughs> she was able to get out and lock the bathroom door and lock him in and with
1: the help of
3: with the help of people
1: bystanders right
3: and this is a really important point, too, which is I think people get scared to intervene because they don't feel capable. That's, they don't.
1: That's none of my business. Yeah.
3: You know, they feel like they might be hurt, whatever. Listen, it's strength in numbers. So even if it was one person that came to her aid, that's another person that can go up against this guy. And people need to think like that more often when someone is in danger. You know, take the Jesse D approach. Jesse D's known to step in and get people in chokeholds when necessary.
1: That that happened. Yeah, that happened. Uh, uh, should I? Not, am I forced to tell the story now?
3: Okay, let's tell the story.
1: So Brittany and I had just come home from some, getting some fast food. I don't know why we were getting fast food, but don't judge us. Not that's not part of the story. <laughs> I got out of the car as we pulled into the driveway, and we I heard. I thought I heard screaming Mm
4: -hmm.
1: and uh, we parked. I got out. I said, did you hear that? We got out of the car and for sure there was a woman screaming for her life. Yeah. This was maybe a year ago.
3: She was saying, please stop. Please don't do this. Don't do
1: this to me. Mm -hmm. So I fucking ran over there in my flip flops. It was across the street and about three houses down. And there's a man, a big dude with his boxers on and that's it.
2: And, and he, a girl. And
1: a girl who is still screaming, blood-curdling screams.
3: Again, things that are like, please don't do this don't, to me.
1: Don't do this to me. Stop, stop.
3: So it didn't look good.
1: So I immediately ran. It's dark. It's pitch black outside other than the few streetlights. And I went up and grabbed him by the goddamn neck from behind and started just. I If I could have popped his head off of his shoulders, I would have. And he went limp.
3: Mm-hmm. Which indicated to you he was not a threat, that's right? That's
1: exactly... Well, it, it, it was not normal. If a guy was trying to rape someone, he's like the adrenaline surge and he's tense and ready. Right. And I I immediately let him go and he turned around and started, no, no, please, please, this is my daughter.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Her mother and I are getting a divorce and she's trying to run away. Right. So I, anyway, so...
3: The cops came really quick. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so it's All not- of the
3: neighbors came out. Of, there were like 20 people on exactly the road. That. And what ended, up, what ended up happening is... Everyone was angry at him at first because they couldn't figure out what was going on, and then they quickly turned to being pissed off at her.
1: <laughs> right, quit screaming! You're, you, you, you could have gotten your dad hurt. Yeah, had I had a a, a a bat or something.
3: Right, or a gun. Someone really thought that he.
1: I wouldn't. Yeah, that wouldn't. Well, be I'm my, saying anyone. Yeah, for sure. Could have been anybody. Could have hurt him very badly. Yeah. Could have killed him. Yeah. On the sidewalk, all because she wants to be a maniac. <laughs> anyway that's completely n- neither here nor there from the story but it it is a testament to stepping in
3: right and that's that's what needs to happen right because they tell you in these situations to get loud to yes, scream yes. to make noise and that's partly
1: to draw attention
3: draw attention so, so that Jessie people D can help can run you over there. <laughs> exactly no exactly but the thing is in order for that to work there needs to be people willing Yes. And I I think that even with that situation, I really appreciated how many of our neighbors came out of their houses, because I think a lot of people just "Uh, it's not in my business. I'm going to avoid it. I'm not going to go and see what's going on. No, go and see what's going on. Be nosy. Figure it out. You know, you could save somebody. That's it. Yeah.
1: Because if so, if someone dies, is that not your business? I sound very preachy to the audience right now. But anyway, this lady is definitely taking care of Biz because she took care of herself. And also, you know, a little uh, secondary taking care of Biz for all the people of Seattle who happened to... Well, not all of them weren't there, but, you know, the the Seattle residents who were there who took action and pinned this guy in the bathroom until the cops could come.
3: Yeah. So she's awesome, and I hope all the ladies are safe out there and we love the ladies. Remember hard bones in fleshy places. It's good yeah, advice. Yeah. Just,
1: no seriously. that's try that, to scoop
3: out those eyeballs. That,
1: I would that's where I was going. Definitely try to scoop out the eyeballs. don't don't <laughs> worry about kicking a dude in the balls. Look, that's great. It works in the movies, but when 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 a, a, an altercation is happening, they're not going to feel it until the adrenaline wears off. Go for the eyes. Go for the places. If you have a knife, slice them in the forehead. And blood will gush into their eyes. And blood, when it gets in your eyes, <laughs> it stings a lot. But I don't as- assume all the ladies will have a knife on their hands.
3: I know. What's going on? I don't know.
1: I just went into We're a Ready weird... to get in a
3: knife fight. <laughs> what's happening right now? <laughs> and the next time you find yourself in a knife fight, go for the forehead. All
1: right. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, listen. We love you guys. We're going to end it there. We appreciate you. Knife fight notwithstanding. Sometimes, you know, when we end a show, Brittany... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like it's been a little serious. Yeah, I think the show was a little heavy. It
3: was a little serious. It was a little heavy. Racist
1: piss me off. Yeah, they, I'm not a fan of guys like like Steve King.
3: Yeah, I feel like people might not think they piss me off as much as they do you because I don't get as emotional as you.
1: No, it's because you you're not willing to you know. Call call people bad name. I almost dropped the C bomb, but uh, you know I'm a, I'm a fiery character. You're not as fiery. You're more cerebral. Yeah, you're more reasonable, Brittany. I'm not a reasonable man sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just that's the way it is. I'm you're making me more reasonable.
3: Oh, we don't want that to happen.
1: You're bringing you're bringing me. I almost say you're bringing me down.
3: You're you're le- <laughs> you're
1: leveling me out.
3: We don't want that to happen.
1: You're harshing my buzz, Brittany. I know
3: that's what it sounds like.
1: <laughs> How dare you? Anyway, listen, we love you guys. If you want to sound off, you want to talk to the show, you want to, you want to ask a question or make a point, 657-464-7609. As always, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at dollamore.com. If you want to support the show other than listening twice a week, you can go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's a link that says support the show. We would love for you to partner with us through a monetary donation whether it be on paypal or patreon we are we are planning for great things this year in the way of bonus episodes on on the uh, on the street interviews we're going to be doing some some stuff with the the donald trump tax day uh protests all of that stuff is going to be taking place and it's all due to your love and loyalty and support until next time for Britney Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this is Ben. I doubt it. I
2: don't remember asking you a goddamn thing.